Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, I'm Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, Excited to be uh, here with you this morning. Excited for what the Lord has for us today. Today's a good day. And uh, one of the first things that we're going to do now, you, okay, so parents, you guys have to be a little bit low key on this. Now that the kids are gone, I have candy for you. <laughs> so I'm going to, I've got, I've got, we're repurposing our offering plates. So we're going to, I'm going to, if you, uh, would you be able to pass that around a little bit? And uh, we'll get, uh, we'll get somebody, Abby, would you be able to pass candy around? It's just awesome. So just kind of go around and, and make sure everybody gets a, a piece of candy. So I, I, and I, I expect as parents, you guys won't, I won't be fun picking this candy up off the floor all over the place later on, right? So just try to keep it, you know, to yourself and, and all that fun stuff. That's awesome. Well, gifts are wonderful, aren't they? I'm giving you guys a gift today. It's good. They're wonderful. Some people's love language is gifts. It's not mine, uh, but, uh, but some people's love language is gifts. We give gifts to each other as a way to show our love and our care for one another. And sometimes the gifts are really important, like sometimes that there's a lot of meaning behind the gifts. Most of the time, though, it's the thought behind the gift that's so powerful, especially the person who gives us the gift loves us, and the gift is somehow a picture of their love for us. In John chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to a large crowd of people. It was a group that he fed with the loaves and the fishes. You've probably heard this story before. John says that there were 5,000 people in the crowd that was being fed. Actually, John says there were 5,000 men there, plus women and children, which means it was likely a crowd of 10 to 15,000 people, like a huge crowd of people. And Jesus feeds them by passing around baskets of food, a little boy's lunch. It says there's a little boy's lunch there, with five loaves and two fish there. And Jesus multiplies, gives thanks for the food, it multiplies, and he hands it out to the crowd. And ten to 15,000 people have their fill off of the, this little boy's lunch. Well, it's an amazing miracle. It's, a, it's wonderful. Everybody celebrates. At the end of the day, uh, John tells us that Jesus goes over to the other side of the lake with his disciples. And it says that that group of 10 to 15,000 people, see, Jesus goes across the lake. He, he begins by walking on water. It's really fun, but we're not going to talk about that today. But he ends up being in the boat, and they go across the lake on a boat. But the 10 to 15,000 people go around the lake. They see that Jesus isn't there anymore, and they think he must have crossed over because the boats are missing. So they go around the lake, take this long journey all through the night, and get to the other side of the lake, and they find Jesus there. When they find Jesus there, they begin talking to him again, asking him for more food. Jesus points it out. He says, you're, you're here because you were fed and you want some more bread. And the people start to say, yeah, that's, that's why we're here. And Jesus says, you actually should long for something more. The bread that I'm, I fed you the other day, it will keep you satisfied for a day. You should, ha- you should eat bread that will satisfy you for all of eternity. And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. You don't need more food. You need me. 
Jesus was saying, don't chase after the loaves and the fishes. The real gift I have to give to you is myself. The real gift that Jesus has always given to the world is not the healings or the multiplied food or the miracles or the teachings even or any of this other stuff. The real gift that Jesus gave to the world was himself. Jesus is the gift. We know John 3.16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son. The gift that was given to the world was Jesus. The people around Jesus at this time and at many other times got preoccupied with the things that Jesus did, and they missed Jesus. Well, people are still doing that today. You see, while Jesus was here on earth, he was doing all kinds of amazing things, but the most amazing thing that Jesus did was just be present. Think about it. God incarnate. Jesus was there at the beginning. John also tells us that Jesus created everything. He's the creator of the whole universe. And he, God in a bod, Jesus, was walking and talking with people, present with them. Can you imagine if Jesus was right here in this room right now, just sitting up here maybe in the second row, somewhere between Esther and Joan, if Jesus was just sitting right there? I bet those of you that are in the back would be sitting a little bit closer to the front, wouldn't you? If Jesus was here and we were able to speak with him face to face and and ask him, hey, Jesus, want to come over to my house after after service and come have some lunch with me? Would you like to, to meet my friends? Would you like to come down to the local food bank with me? We'll multiply some loaves and fishes. It'll be awesome. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus was just here walking and talking with us right now? We recognize that his presence is the gift. Well, here's the deal. Jesus is no longer here on earth. In fact, after his death and resurrection, he ascended. He went back up into heaven, and he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. But he's not left us alone Look at what Jesus said to his disciples just before he left. In John chapter 14, here's what Jesus says. He says, I will ask the Father. Remember the same Father that sent Jesus. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Isn't that awesome? So not only did the Father give the Son, the Father also gives the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Jesus says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, when you read this passage, it is just full of meaning and wonderfulness. You see, the spirit of truth is the spirit of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. Jesus can say that he will be with us even though he isn't with us. The reason he can say this is because the Spirit will be with us, and the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It's this Trinity thing, again, that we've been talking about for several weeks now. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're three distinct persons, and yet one and the same God. Just as Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, Jesus can also say that he will be with us, Because the Holy Spirit is with us. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one, even though they are distinctly three. So here's the thing. Jesus sends the Spirit to be his presence living within us. So while Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Spirit of Jesus is here with us right now. Right now, in this room, 
sitting right here with Joan and Esther, sitting with Daniel and Ernie, and, and sitting with us right now, every single one of us, right where you are. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus is in you. But while many of us appreciate the comfort and the strength and the wisdom and the working of the Spirit in our lives, how often do we forget that the Spirit is the gift? The Spirit is the gift. How many times do we ask for more of the stuff of the Spirit, but forget that it's the Spirit who is the gift? Jesus has asked the Father to give us the gift of the Spirit, but we get preoccupied sometimes with the loaves and the fishes. Now, we're in the middle of a, a series that we're doing looking at the Trinity called Let's Dance. We're engaging with the Trinity, and we're learning about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today, specifically, we're looking at the Holy Spirit and the gift that the Holy Spirit is to us. I want to teach you a little bit of, of theology. I like theology. It's got its purpose. It's not the end-all, be-all of things, but I want to teach you a little bit of theology. When we become Jesus followers, one of the things that happens to us is we begin a process called sanctification. We talked a little bit about this last week. Sanctification is the process by which God makes us holy. And the way that he does this is by placing his Holy Spirit within us, which is both a distinct and progressive event. I'm going to explain this to you, so don't get lost. Now, a way to understand the difference between what is meant by distinct and progressive is what I spoke about last week with the idea of breathing. Breathing is passive, but it's also active. You don't have to think about breathing to keep on breathing. Isn't that great? If you went to sleep at night and you had to actively be thinking about breathing, you'd, you'd just be done right? But you don't have to actively think about breathing. Most of the time, except for right now, most of the time you don't think about breathing at all. But probably right now you're thinking about breathing. And there are times when we think about breathing, but there is a passive aspect to breathing and there is an active aspect to breathing. When you came to Christ, you were sanctified. This is that passive piece. It was not by your effort at all, this was completely a work of the Spirit in you. This is what we talked about last week from Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what Paul teaches us. He says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is a distinct event. You were, you were filled with the Spirit and you were made holy. You were sanctified. This is why all through the New Testament, the, the, the letters that Paul writes and some of the other uh, disciples write, they, they call us saints. They call us saints, not because of what you've done, but because of what the Holy Spirit has done in you. Because of what Christ has done, you and I are saints. We have been sanctified. It's finished and it's done. At the same time, there is something else going on. So while their distinct sanctification is like passive breathing, it's just happened to you when you came to Christ, there's another part of sanctification that is the progressive event or the progressive part of sanctification. It's like the active part of breathing. If you want to hold your breath longer or you want to be more efficient with your breathing for sports or anything like that, you have to train your lungs by doing active exercise, active breathing exercises. 
You actively partner together with your lungs and the other systems within your body to get better at breathing. This is the active part of breathing. In a similar way, the progressive part of sanctification is when you partner together with the Holy Spirit to exercise your spiritual strength. One really great passage that shows how this works is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. Does anyone know where in the Bible we find the fruit of the Spirit? Yell it out if you know. Galatians 5. There you go. Do you know how to remember this? Okay, this is just a silly, silly thing. It helps me remember where the fruit of the Spirit is. Okay, so fruit, the, the word fruit starts with a letter F. The next letter in the alphabet is G, so that's Galatians, right? So that's pretty easy that way. And the word fruit has five letters in it, so that's Galatians 5. So fruit, F, G, five letters, five, Galatians 5. Now, this might not help you out at all, but it helps me out every single time. So every time I think of where's the fruit of the Spirit, I'm like, they do this at all. You'll, you'll see me. If you ask me where the fruit of the Spirit is, you'll see me go, uh, 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 Galatians 5, right? Because it's really fun. Anyway, there you go. Galatians 5, that's free for you today. has nothing to do with the rest of the message. But that's where the fruit is in the Bible, Galatians chapter 5. So let's look in Galatians chapter 5. Now, when we normally look here, we look straight at the fruit. Now, probably as a kid, you were, if you went to any kind of Sunday school, you were taught the fruit of the Spirit, maybe with a song or something like that. But the fruit of the Spirit, so this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we think of the fruit of the Spirit, that's the only passage that comes up in our mind normally. But the chapter that the fruit of the Spirit is in, Galatians chapter 5, is an unbelievably amazing chapter. Let me just show you. Paul starts this chapter out by saying, Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, as Paul is beginning this passage, he's talking about the, the uh, desire in some of the Galatians to go back to the law. They wanted to start following the law again. Okay? And Paul is saying, don't be, don't, don't be yoked again to the law because the law brings slavery. But, but Paul expands what this looks like. He actually begins to explain that for believers, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, there, is, there are many things that can enslave us, that, that, can, that can cover us, that can cause us to be caught again. And here's what Paul says a little bit later down. He says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Paul is saying that one of the things that can entrap us is when we look at our freedom and we go, look, I'm so free, I can just do whatever I feel like. And he says, that's the, that's the lust of the flesh. That's, that's the, the, the flesh that's calling to us to just be in that kind of a state where we just feel like we can do whatever we want. He says, don't let your freedom lead you to indulging the flesh. Paul says this is what that looks like. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. This is what being enslaved looks like. It means being so caught up in this stuff that it rules our life. It certainly doesn't look like what God has called us to. It doesn't look like freedom. It doesn't look like holiness. It doesn't look like righteousness, the things that God has called us to. It looks like earthliness. 
It looks like the stuff that we used to be involved in. So Paul's encouragement in the middle of chapter 5 is this. So he says in Galatians 5, 16, he says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Paul goes on to say, and this is the part that we all know, he goes on to say in 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then get this, okay? Then get this. This is where it all comes together. Look at what Paul says. In Galatians 5.25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here in this one verse, we have the passive and the active. We have the distinct event and the progressive event. We live by the Spirit. That's passive. We live by the Spirit. You're just just living by the Spirit. That's just a part of who you are as a Christ follower. Life for you comes through the Spirit. But also, since you live by the Spirit, be active in keeping in step with the Spirit. This is the active piece. This is the progressive piece. It's you partnering with the Spirit. Because you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. It's these two things side by side. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Both the passive, distinct event and the active, progressive event. We read earlier from Ephesians where where we are sealed with the Spirit. Well, later on in Ephesians, see, Paul wrote a lot of these, these, uh, these letters. So he wrote... Galatians that we just read. He also wrote Ephesians. And he brings this whole idea of being passive and active back around again. Because in the beginning of Ephesians, he talks about the passive, right? We already read that, that you are sealed with the Spirit when you come to Christ. Just a few chapters later in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, unfortunately, our English translation lacks uh, some of the nuance that we find in the Greek, particularly in this passage. The word here for filled means to be continually filled. Sometimes we, feel, we, we, we talk about how you know, we filled up the truck today. We got, once we got gas, we filled up the truck. It was like a one-time thing. But what Paul is saying here is not be filled one time. He's saying be continually filled. Let this be like when you take the water hose and you stick it into a glass of water and you just let it keep on going so the water keeps splashing over. Be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses this illustration on purpose. He's not just kind of like pulling this drunkenness thing out of nowhere. He uses this illustration on purpose because when you think of someone who gets drunk on wine, it's because they've just been going hard at it, right? They've just been drinking wine, drinking wine, drinking wine way more than they should, and it begins to spill over in their behavior. Paul says, don't do that, but think of this illustration when you think of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You should be continually filled with the Holy Spirit where it's like filled, 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 filled until it starts to spill over in your behavior. Paul wants you to be thinking of what it looks like when someone gets drunk because he's wanting to say it should be very similar as you're following the Holy Spirit, that it's not just like you take a sip of the Holy Spirit and then you just go along with your life. 
It's like you you drink down continually of the Spirit so that it just bubbles over in everything that you do. And people look at you and they go, what is going on with you? Now, if you don't really fully believe what I'm saying here, this happened in the Bible. In Acts chapter 2, okay, do you guys remember this story? At the beginning of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, hey, this is right before he goes back up into heaven. He says, hey, disciples, I want you guys to hang out for a little while until the Father gives you the gift that he's promised you, which is the Holy Spirit. So you wait for a little while till the Holy Spirit comes. So then in Acts chapter 2, we see the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And then you probably remember this story. It's the story of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples like tongues of fire. And they come rolling out. They're in an upper room. They're in an upper room praying. They come rolling out of the upper room. And I don't know what it looked like, but everybody around them thought they were drunk. So I have no idea what that looks like. I don't know if they were laughing. I don't know if they were loud and boisterous. But what we do know is that being filled with the Spirit for those disciples bubbled over into how they were living and what they were doing. Something changed in them to where people were going, you're drunk. And Peter gets up and he says, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. We've got the Spirit. And then he preaches a sermon And the Bible says that 3,000 people came to Christ that day. Isn't that amazing? So Paul later on is saying, don't get drunk on wine, but be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Be so filled on the Holy Spirit that he bubbles out of you in everything that you do and people know what's going on. Now a neat thing here, when you look at this story in Acts chapter 2, you see that this happened. This was an amazing thing, right? Just two chapters later. It's not like a lifetime later or like the grandkids of the people that got filled over here are now over here. It's two chapters later. Hardly any time has gone by. And we find the disciples again gathered together and praying. And there's lots of persecution There's lots of opposition happening. There's things coming against them. People are are, are being caught up by the religious authority. They're being caught up by all kinds of authorities. uh, uh, There's the the idea of maybe they're going to be thrown in jail. And so the disciples gather together in Acts chapter 4. The same ones, some of the same ones that were filled in Acts chapter 2, they gather together and they pray again. And they say, God, consider all the bad stuff that's happening to us. And put your hand out and do miraculous signs and wonders. And after they get done praying, the the place that they are in shakes. Now, it's not tongues of fire this time. We don't know what it looks like. But they were filled with the Spirit again. And this time, they were filled with boldness to proclaim the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. They were just filled two chapters ago. What happened? Nothing happened. They're just doing what they're supposed to do, and they're being continually filled by the Holy Spirit again and again and again. And we see this pattern continue throughout the rest of the New Testament where people who are moving into a place of ministry or they're moving into something, it says, and then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. And then Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. They're just getting this constant filling of the Holy Spirit again and again and again. It's amazing to see. We see boldness in declaring the gospel. We see the fruit 
being expressed all through the New Testament that we were talking about earlier, love and joy and peace and all kinds of stuff. Here's a question. When we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, what are we actually talking about? Now, I know that, I know that you know, it's love, joy, peace, patience, that kind of stuff. But, but where do these characteristics come from? Does anybody want to hazard a guess? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. But, but who else? Jesus. That's right. That's right. These are the characteristics of Jesus. When the Spirit recreates in us the fruit... The fruit comes from the character of Jesus because he's the Holy Spirit of Jesus bringing the presence of Jesus into us. So when we have love, it's not just Greg's kind of love because that's actually paltry. It's it's actually kind of low and terrible. It's it's low-hanging fruit. But when we have love from the fruit of the Spirit, it's Christ's love. It's Jesus' joy. It's Jesus' peace that we have. And that's so much greater than what we could stir up in ourselves. When the fruit of the Spirit comes, we display the character of Christ. And it's not just those characteristics that the Holy Spirit produces in you. There's also things called gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, there's actually lots of places in the Bible that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are the gifts that the Father wants you to have for the building up the body of Christ, for the, the proclamation of the gospel to your friends and neighbors. It's the power of God at work within you to see his kingdom come. And the fruit and the gifts and the boldness are all meant to work together. They're meant to work together as we partner with the Holy Spirit to do all the things that God has called us to do. Partnering with the Holy Spirit in this progressive, sanctification, active way, is asking for more of the Holy Spirit, more of his influence in our life, more of his presence bubbling over out of us so that the world can see that it's it's Jesus in us. We actively train ourselves like we would doing breathing exercises, actively keeping in step with the Spirit so that we can be filled to overflowing with the presence of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Now, it's, it's more than just asking for more of the Holy Spirit, of course. If, you, if all you do in your life is just ask for more of the Holy Spirit, you might not get more of the Holy Spirit because there's something else that's going on here. It's, it's about what Paul is talking about when he says, don't indulge the sinful nature. It's taking a stand against the enemy in our life. It's, it's taking a stand against those things that would entrap us. It's getting into the, the written word of God so that we can, we can have the word of God in our minds and in our hearts and let it just soak through us. It's regularly coming into the presence of God and spending time with him in prayer so that we, we not only talk and bring our thoughts to God, but we listen and try to hear his voice and allow him to lead us and guide us in all that we do. It's pressing in and actively working on strengthening our walk with the Spirit in everything that we do on a daily level. See, this is the active part of sanctification. It's actively pursuing more of the Spirit's presence and influence in our lives. Now, don't go thinking that you're sanctifying yourself. I know when people go to the gym and they work out, they're like, I built these muscles. Like, I, these are mine. I built these muscles. I put in the, the time and effort to do that. Don't go thinking that you are the one that's sanctifying yourself. It's still a work of the Holy Spirit. It's still a work of the Holy Spirit. You are just positioning yourself for growth by actively partnering with the Holy Spirit. 
It's you saying, I'm going to put myself in the best possible position for the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me so that I can be sanctified through and through. Now, I started today by talking about how when Jesus was feeding the crowds, they came to him for more food and they missed seeing Jesus because they were so focused on the loaves and the fishes. And we can become overly focused on the fruit and the boldness and the gifts also. We can certainly get over-focused on those things. Jesus addressed this kind of thing in his Sermon on the Mount. So even before we were talking about fruit and gifts and boldness and all that stuff, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about what this kind of looks like. Now, he's, he's uh, talking about worry. So he's talking about something a little bit different. He's speaking about worry, and he said, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. And Jesus talked about, look out at the birds and look at how, how they, they don't worry about what they're going to eat, but they're always fed. He said, look out at the, the flowers, and they don't worry about what they're going to wear, but they're always well-clothed. He says, your heavenly Father cares way more about you than the birds or the flowers. So this is what Jesus says. So, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or unbelievers, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now look at this verse, because we miss this verse all the time. <laughs> We usually say, don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink and wear. Don't worry about it, because God's going to take care of you. And then we leave it, and we walk away, and that's, like, that's the end of the verse. But that's not the end of what Jesus is saying here. Look at what Jesus says at the end here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, comma, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, this is a good pattern for life. So if, if Jesus was speaking about the gifts and those type of things, Jesus might say, hey, don't worry about, about the fruit and, and, and don't worry about the, the gifts and don't worry about the, the boldness. Don't try to seek after that stuff. Don't worry about the loaves and the fishes. Don't, don't run after those things. But seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first the presence of the Spirit. Seek first the, the face of Jesus. Seek first the, the, the presence of your heavenly Father. Seek first these things, and then all this other stuff's going to happen. As you are filled, as you are refreshed, as you are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, that other stuff's going to happen. That other stuff is not unimportant. It's just not first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. So as we come to a close here. Our calling is to seek first God, to seek his spirit, to, to seek his presence in our lives. And then the other stuff will come. And it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I want to I tell you a, a quick little story here. I remember just, uh, um, actually, depends on what you think quite a few years ago, but about probably 12 years ago, 10 years ago, um, I was at the hockey rink, and, uh, and I was watching Gavin practice. I think it was just a practice, not a game. But as I'm watching him practice, I notice off in the corner on a, on a bench there, kind of curled up in a little fetal position uh, in the corner, was, was a mom, one of the moms of one of the players. And she's kind of curled up with her, heads in her hand, head in her hands, and, and the husband's over here watching, um, watching the practice, and she's curled up in the corner over here, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I'm, I'm thinking, like, should I, should I do something here or not? So I quickly asked Jesus, Jesus, what should I do here? 
And he said, well, you should go talk to her. I'm like, okay. So I go over to talk to her, and I say, hey, sorry to inter interrupt you. I don't know what's happening. Are you okay? And she just, she kind of mumbled and hardly took her head up out of her hands and just mumbled, I've got these terrible migraines, and I, I can't hardly even be here. Um, I feel sick to my stomach. My head is bursting. I can't open my eyes. I've got to cover my ears, and I've got a cradle here. And she's just mumbling this, right? So I'm just picking up what's happening as to what's going on. But she's obviously suffering from this terrible migraine. And so I just asked quickly Jesus. I said, Jesus, you know, do you, are, do you want me to pray for her? And he's like, of course. I'm, why do you think you came over here? So I'm like, okay, here we go. So I said, would it be okay? And she's not a believer. So, but would it be okay if I prayed for you? And she's kind of like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and so I'm like, I should, to be very appropriate here, I want to make sure to get her husband involved in this. So I go to her husband, and I say, hey, look, I just talked to your wife, and she said she was having these migraines. I want to pray for her. Would you come over with me? He's like, you know, not a believer, not knowing what's going on. I'm the, he's known me for a couple of years, but I'm the weird Christian guy, right? So he comes with me over there. And I'm like, would you just put your hand on your wife's head, and I'm just going to pray. And so I just prayed. A real simple little prayer, Jesus, man, we know that you love her. We know that you care for her. We know that you have something for her. Would you just, would you heal her? Jesus, I just speak healing over her right now in your name, Jesus Christ. Now, she didn't say she got better, but all of a sudden, she's talking to me. Her hands are down. She's sitting up, and she's just talking to me. She's like, I don't know what's going on because I get these terrible migraines all the time, and they're just horrible, and I can hardly live. She's just like talking loud. As, and I'm like, so I'm like, do you, you look like you feel better. What's going on? And she's like, blah, 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 blah. And I can't get her to even be quiet. Like she's just going on and on and on. And I'm like, I'm just going to take that as a yes. Something good happened here. So then I just end the whole thing with saying, you've got to know that the healing is awesome, but your heavenly father loves you so, so much. He's got a plan for your life. He loves you. He cares for you. And he wants so much for you. And like the husband's kind of freaked out a little bit by this. She's kind of weirded out a little bit by this. And I'm like, okay, if you guys want to talk more about this, you just let me know. I'm going to go back and watch some hockey. Okay? So I just left the situation. But I want to ask you something here. What happened there? Well, there was boldness, right, to go talk to them in the first place. There was a gift of God, healing. Healing is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think she was healed. I don't know, but she looked like it. And there was something about the fruit, the love of Christ showed up in that moment. Isn't that amazing how those things work together? You will have opportunity for this same type of thing if you look for it. If you're aware. If you position yourself in a place where you go, Jesus, I'm here. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me to overflowing. Let your, let your spirit come in me so deeply that it bubbles out in all my behavior. Fill me with boldness to look for opportunities to be able to go and tell somebody that they're loved and cared for. Give me opportunity to pray for healing for somebody or for a word of knowledge or for something to happen where you're, they're going to see the power of God. But let it be partnered together with your hope and your joy and your love and your peace. Let it all come together, Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, as you leave from here today, to think about where can I press in more? Where can I see the move of God more in my life? How can I position myself to be more filled 
the Holy Spirit. We're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to sing this closing song. Then I'm going to come up here to just pray for a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit today. And I, I, I want to invite you. If you want to talk more about this, if you want to be specifically prayed for, okay, there's something about being specifically prayed for. If you want to be specifically prayed for to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a couple of us up here that will do that. We'd love to pray with you. We'd invite you to come forward. If you want to come forward to hear more about what Jesus can do in your life, or if you've got something you want healed, or you're looking for some encouragement, or whatever it is, there's going to be people up here at the front who'd love to pray with you as we close off our service. So stand and join me in this closing song, and then I'll come back up here to pray. Just before I pray, I just want to tell you guys about something that's about to happen. Okay? It's not weird. So <laughs> when we do communion, we actually, we, the, the elements are purely symbolic. We don't believe that it actually become the blood and the body of Christ. I know in some uh, traditions... They believe that they've been changed, and so the, the, the priest will take the communion elements you know, back to a back room, and they'll finish them all off, because it's actually the consecrated body of Christ. But we actually just believe it's symbolic. So over here is sitting just crackers and juice. That's all that's over here, just crackers and juice. It reminds us of Christ, but right now it's just crackers and juice. So in a few moments when those kiddos come up, those kids come and they help clean things up for us. So you're going to see a mob of kids up here <laughs> pounding back the juice and pounding back the crackers. So as parents, you guys can talk to your kids later on. Hey, you guys are eating the crackers and juice. What does that represent? You could talk to them about what that means. As the rest of us, just smile. Just be excited <laughs> that we've got kids here that are up here just like pounding back crackers and juice. It's awesome, okay? So just wanted to let you know what's about to happen. All right. As well, we do have some candy left over. So if some of you guys want to come grab some candy and like pocket it for your kids later, you can do that. So I'm not going to sugar them up for you other than having them have some crackers of juice, okay? There we go. So I want to pray now for a fresh filling of Holy Spirit. So you can put yourself in whatever kind of receiving posture you want, whether it's your hands out or just at your side or whatever. Heavenly Father, I just know, I know that you are a good God who gives good gifts and you gave your son, Jesus, so that we could have a relationship with you, Father. And then you sent your spirit to indwell us, to live within us, so that we would have the presence of Christ with us 24-7. And so we just invite you again today, Holy Spirit, to fill us afresh today, to move in us and through us powerfully. I just long for the day, God, when we would go out from this place, bubbling over by your Spirit, the way that the disciples did in Acts 2, and that people that, when we go out to our neighborhoods or to the grocery stores or wherever, that people will look at us and say, what's going on? And we'd be able to say, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. It's the presence of Jesus. So may you, church, be filled so much to overflowing and bubbling out that everything you say and do is bubbled over by the Holy Spirit, that the fruit, the gifts, and the boldness would become so abundant in you that the world would know Jesus Christ. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we give you honor and glory and praise, and we thank you for what you've done. And we pray now that you would go with us throughout this day and this week. Lead us and guide us and fill us afresh each day. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 You're just... 
Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.